can be hard to maintain friendships in life. Luckily, Instagram makes it easy for me to keep up with all my friends in so many different fun and creative ways. Whether it's sharing snippets of my life with all my friends in stories and posts, or sending reels back and forth that remind us of each other in DMs. I also love that I get to pick and choose who sees specific stories. Not everyone needs to see everything, you know? Sometimes I just want to share something with my close friends, like if I have a great outfit I want them to look at or an interior design idea that they want their opinion on. I only trust the people I've added to my close friends list for fashion advice. Duh. There's just something so special when you see the green little close friend circle from one of your friends. I can't click fast enough. I just know it's going to be something good. My friends always find new creative ways to share things on Instagram. Whether it's sharing music stickers to songs they currently have on repeat, creating highlights for special moments, or even participating in the latest Add Yours. They really inspire me. But most of all, Instagram's just a really great place for all of me and my close friends to close the distance. Even though we're not physically together, there's this old saying of, it's just the little things, and I swear it's still true. And now I'm so glad that I get to enjoy those little things with Instagram and my close friends. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tabazi, thank you so much for meeting me today. I'm so excited to talk to you because you, your whole content is about, you know, the foster care system because you are a foster care dad. You've even adopted, how many of your foster kids have you adopted? Uh, three. Three. Wow. I would love to hear just how this all started because it, I, w- I want to hear how you got into the foster care system. I want to know like what made you want to do this. And then I want to know how you've been kind of using that platform to educate people in the foster care system because I feel like most of America just genuinely doesn't understand how it works like what are some normalcies that go on that are both really good and really bad and how the adoption process works like so many people just don't have this information so I'm going to give the floor to you and I'm going to stop rambling (laughs) all right well well thank you uh, Rebecca it's I've been watching it, so it's really nice that fun I get so to really sweet. join you and get to share about my journey. Well, for me, it started with me, you know? Uh-huh. So I come from Uganda. I was born in a small village. And as a kid, life was difficult in every shape yeah. form you could imagine. You know, I never had a meal uh, every other day, you know? I had to fetch water three miles away. You know, there was no hope for me. Like, no one ever told me that there was hope. You know, when, when your mother can't feed you for a night, how do they say, hey, you're going to be a teacher one day? Well, but you're going to bed hungry. Yeah. And then at the age of four, I began to realize not, not only were we poor, but my dad was so abusive towards me 
and towards my mom. So for me, I had poverty on one side and then my own father who was abusive. So abusive was so bad at the age of 10, I thought, look, my, my dad might kill me, so why should I stay here? Yeah. You know. So I ran away. I had never been 20 miles away from my village and I went 500 kilometers away and became a street kid. Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. So at 10 years old, I was a street kid until when I was 15 years old, when I was trying to steal from someone. And that person, think about it, like you're stealing from someone. Yeah. And then they see you and they're like, hey, by the way, what's your name? You're like, <laughs> wait, you wanna know my name? Why? You know, and he's what scared me is because of abuse, for everyone who was kind, it followed with abuse. So him saying it's hello and what's your yeah. name, I was like, oh, trap, trap, run, you know? Right. But he gave me food, but he left. He came back the next time, he gave me food, and he fed me for one year and a half. And one day he said, hey, Peter, if you had an opportunity to go to school, would you love to go to school? I'm like, why would I go to school? I live in the sewer. I'm called a garbage boy. I have never taken a shower. I smell, I stink. I'm a thief. Why would I go to school, you know? Uh, but he said, if you go to school, there'll be lunch, dinner, and breakfast. I was like, what time yep. do I go? Mm -hmm. <laughs> when, when do I show up? Exactly. Oh my God. You're speaking my language, you know? So he helped me. So I went to high school. I went to university in Uganda. And then I w went to university in England. And that's how I came to the United States. So for me, it began with me, you know? Yeah, and that trauma. That's exactly. And when I came to the United States, I think I struggled seeing wealth, you know? My first day in Los Angeles, they served me food. But I ate everything they gave me, but my friends didn't eat. They threw it away. So I, I was like, how can other people have so much and others have so little that they will lose their lives? You know, yeah. so I began to question this whole love thing and, and faith. Like, you know, if they say God loves us so we should all have the same things, you know. And then I got to really know about post-care. But I didn't know they would allow me to be a foster dad. You know, I had traveled all over the world. I had never seen a black family or a black man who was adapting. So I knew there was no way. So for me, I walked into Foscare, I said, I want to do something, but can I mentor teenagers? You know, Aww. because I thought at least one hour, you know, yeah. can't you hang out with a teenager for, for an hour? Yeah. I mean, I used to hang out for them, with them all day. When I, I, cause I, when I was a teacher, I taught high schoolers. Right. So I hung out with them a lot. <laughs> so for me, I thought, wow, they can give me one hour. So I went in and the social worker said, hey, have you ever thought of being a foster? I was like, I think about that every day, but I'm not qualified. She's like, why? I'm like, single. She's like, no, single people can't be false friends. And that's really when I became uh, a false dad. So I've had 36 kids wow. in the last seven years. Wow. And now I just adopted three, which has been wonderful. You know, that's it's so funny. Absolutely. It's not an easy road, but it's been the best decision I ever made in my entire in my life. And for me, I think I struggled with, you know, too much is given, much is required. Like, I have been given so much, as I told you my story. Like, how can I live a life for myself without yes. really helping those in need? Because I know it better, you know? I know how it feels to be unloved and wanted. And I wanted to really help kids who were uh, in a place that I was when I was little. That's amazing. And that's, I feel like so many people suffer from such serious traumas when they're younger. You know, some people take that trauma and they want to do something with it. How can I make sure other people don't experience this? Right. Some people are just so strong-willed that they're able to take that awful experience and turn it into something positive for other people. But some people just, some people in the world are not as strong-willed and right. it really consumes them and it really, 
can like if they don't get the help that they need or the guidance that they need it can absolutely derail their entire life like somebody once sent me a story um about how they were a foster kid and they were treated horribly and terribly and you know eventually they ended up becoming a um, counselor for kids in foster care but in the meantime they got a part-time job at their local jail and as a foster kid in a rural town, most of the foster kids knew each other. Mm. And he was like, I just, I couldn't believe how many of my old foster brothers and sisters and community members were just in and out because it's just consumed them. Because there's so, there's so much in foster care that, you know, you have amazing foster parents like you who really just want to be there for kids and want to give them a safe place to call home, even if it's temporary. Absolutely, yes. But Understanding trauma as a, as a parent to really help you how to parent the kids with trauma. Yes, yes. But there's unfortunately so many people that just don't care mm -hmm. at all. Like, And I really want to get into that. But before we do, will you tell us a little bit about like what the process to become a foster parent looked like? Well, so to become a foster parent basically is, one, you have no criminal records, you know, <laughs> right. so the right. one everyone said. Yes. Uh, then two, do you have your own job, you know? So they want to make sure that you can take care of, your, of yourself before you can take care of someone else. Yeah. Uh, so they want to make sure you're stable financially uh, and you have a job that really requires health insurance and all that you need. The other is you have room, you know, because you can't just, you know, have yeah. a child without a bedroom. Yeah, you know? for so sure. They want to make sure you, it, it doesn't have to be your personal home. It can be a rental or your personal, but it has to have an extra bedroom if you want one child, if you want two siblings, uh, that you have space for them to make sure that they are safe uh, and loved the way you want. And then you have to be licensed for 10 weeks here in North Carolina. It's called MAP, where you go to class and then you're licensed. In other words, you're qualified to be a parent. Uh, and that's really the process on how you become a foster parent. I just love that. It just kind of threw me for a loop, qualified to be a parent, because I feel like regular parents might need that sometimes, too. Oh, yes. I feel some days I'm like, I need some parenting <laughs> skills right here. Oh, my gosh. That's so interesting. And it's, it's fascinating because, like, in theory, it sounds so clean cut and structured and like yeah this is so great like these are real qualifications that people need but in reality so many people slip through the cracks and it's people that just don't care and it's also people that just don't even realize that what they're doing is wrong and sometimes it's how you're trained you know some people are trained just hey here's how you follow and be there for kids well for me i was trained he's the trauma that really affects children, and here's how you can help them overcome the trauma. So sometimes it's how we came into false care. Yes, you're right. I hear 40% of kids in false care are abused by foster parents. So you can imagine that you, you've come from the worst place, and then you think you're in a safe place, and then you're abused in a safe place that everyone thought you know, you'd be. So uh, there's some education where some parents need a little bit more parenting, especially about that trauma kids have endured. The number of stories that I've gotten from kids, like, and I have so many thoughts in my brain, so I'm having trouble, like, picking which one, one I want to yes. go with right now. But, like, I, I've just gotten so many stories from kids on, 
oh, I've been in the foster care system and my foster parents would separate food of here, my biological kids eat first and here you can have the leftovers or you can do the chores of the house and my biological kids or you have to share a room with all the foster siblings and the biological kids and it's just such a split. And like on one hand, yeah, when you are fostering a kid, you know, the whole goal, correct me if I'm wrong, is supposed to be reunification correct. with their parents. Mm -hmm. So, like, no, you don't want to claim, oh, I'm your mom now. Right. Right? But at the same time, in what world does it feel okay to separate so much to where, like, you have a Cinderella moment? Correct. You know? And, and for the kids, they cannot separate the two. Wherever they are, they feel they belong there. So yes. when you put those those boundaries, even highlights for them, like, hey, you're not fit to be here, you know? I, Growing up, the one thing I struggled the most was not feeling enough or not feeling I fit there, you know? As a street kid, I moved from one end every night to be safe. When they moved me to the dormitory, I, I always felt like, I don't belong here. So think about, you're already feeling that way. And you come to a home where they're like, oh, you know, that fridge you can't touch, that, it, you know, it, it creates even more harm to the children, for, well, for sure. And on the opposite side, um someone sent me a story about how they were like it was it was a white kid was sent to live with a black foster family and he loved this family like he that was his mama mm. and he called her mama and he felt like he fit in and he loved them and they loved him and one time he came from from school and he saw his mama sitting at the table with his social worker and she just had tears in her eyes because she was working towards adoption right. And the social worker looked at him and said, hey, um, I decided I'm going to move you to a different family. And he said, why? Well, you know, I just feel like as a white kid, you really should be with a white family. And I just don't feel like you really fit in here. So don't worry, I'm doing you this favor. Correct. And the kid was just like, I don't, he was like, I don't remember how old he was, maybe like, 14 maybe, maybe younger I can't remember I really can't remember um but he was just like why why would you do that like I'm in a loving home with a woman who wants me to become her son yes and like what kind of messed up mentality of oh well I found some very distant relatives that I think that you might be happier with why they're perfectly fine. Absolutely. But even to shock you, it's happening right now. We both live in Oh, Oscar, oh right? absolutely. You know, like literally, yeah, you know, I'm they, not doubting that at all. I mean, literally, like, it's happened to me twice, too, as well, that I had kids who really loved to, to be with me. But because I didn't look like them, they said, hey, we're going to find a better life for them. And, and guess what? They have been in 12 homes since they left. Oh, my god. Think, think about, like... You know. That's that's like the same kinds of people that are like, oh, they're a gay family. Maybe we shouldn't let them become foster parents. Like like that. Why would you ever? I just talked about this with Haley and Kendra not that long ago. Why would you ever want to deny a child a uh, safe, loving home just because you're like, just because of your prejudices? Like that just. Um, oh my god. Absolutely. And we're in 2023. You know, think about. You know. Wild. <laughs> some, sometimes crazy. I want to ask like, hey. 
for people who are interracial marriage, should we first, before they get married, should they learn about <laughs> the other one's culture, you know? They're kids, they will learn, like we live in a community where there's both of us, and our kids will learn, you know? Uh, yes, like example, I have five white kids, you know? Uh, well, uh, am I not qualified to truly be the best friends I can be for them? Yes. Will I let them really know the culture they're in? Absolutely, you know? Uh, I live in the United States where it's so multicultural, uh, that for our kid, they're just looking for a dad. They're looking for a mom. Right. They're not looking for a mom who's that Right, taller. it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, they, the first and foremost, they need to be loved. Like, they need to be in a safe, secure environment where they are not worried for their own safety, not worried about when their next meal is going to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. And then can come their identity. But, like... Who cares about identity when you're not safe, when you're starving? Like you, I mean, not, of course, not that who cares, but like, you know what I mean. Right. First who and you, foremost. Who's thinking about culture right. when you're being sexually abused? Exactly. You know? Who's thinking about culture Safety when you're being bubbled? Exactly. Like It can be hard to maintain friendships in life, luckily. Instagram makes it easy for me to keep up with all my friends in so many different fun and creative ways. Whether it's sharing snippets of my life with all my friends in stories and posts, or sending reels back and forth that remind us of each other in DMs. I also love that I get to pick and choose who sees specific stories. Not everyone needs to see everything, you know? Sometimes I just want to share something with my close friends, like if I have a great outfit I want them to look at, or an interior design idea that they want their opinion on. I only trust the people I've added to my close friends list for fashion advice. Duh. There's just something so special when you see the green little close friend circle from one of your friends. I can't click fast enough. I just know it's going to be something good. My friends always find new creative ways to share things on Instagram. Whether it's sharing music stickers to songs they currently have on repeat, creating highlights for special moments, or even participating in the latest ad yours. They really inspire me. But most of all, Instagram's just a really great place for all of me and my close friends to close the distance. Even though we're not physically together. There's this old saying of, it's just the little things, and I swear it's still true. And now I'm so glad that I get to enjoy those little things with Instagram and my close friends. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. So you take a kid, and, and for me, that really bothers me so much that to see that you intervene and, and break the, the, the permanence of a child just because the mom and dad don't look like the child, you know? And these kids was literally 99.9 of our kids Averages spend in 12 homes. Think That's about crazy. 12 homes. That's so crazy. Well, on a, because I, I do want to definitely get into the really like dark parts of the foster care system. Because like, again, people need I to know. I have a lot of story for that. But I do have like little bits of brighter stories here and there just to kind of, you know, like see the light at the end of the tunnel. And since we're on this topic, I'm going to share this one now. Um, this, this white woman and, uh, adopted a couple children from China mm -hmm. and was just very determined that she would make sure that they knew their culture, understood their culture, wanted to take them to China every so many years so that they could feel like they could connect with their roots. 
Um, and she was really committed, you know, like she learned Mandarin, like it was beautiful. Um, but her kids were not interested in learning at all. Like we're just, just not. And so it would always um, make them laugh whenever she would take them to China so that they could feel connected to their roots. People would just come up to the kids and speak to them in Mandarin. And then the mom, <laughs> the mom would, would respond, like the white mom would, like, would reply and they're like, Wait a minute, because the kids just could not be bothered. About what they But his mom just, she tried her darndest. And I mean, that's all you can really do, Absolutely. you know? But it's just, it's sweet seeing people take that extra mile, even if the kids aren't interested. You know, sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. I had another person send me a story how they are Native American and their multiple brothers and sisters were adopted by a white family and you know there were some culture clashes and things that their foster parents just didn't understand but at the end of the day he was like my, my foster parents really tried to learn and tried to understand and he's like you know so I stayed with them now my brothers and sisters they wanted to go back to the reservation and that's fine but you know I think that the point is like when, when the effort is there um, it's that's when it's in the in the kids court like as Interest. long as you're taking that first step Absolutely. and you're making that first initial attempt and saying like I see you I think you're that I think you in your culture and your background is valued like I want to give you the space and the opportunity to be able to express that right. it's up to the kids whether they want to actually learn Mandarin or they want to go and explore their identity on their own. And like that, it's... It's both, yeah. yes. You know, like for me, I am an African, you know? Yeah. But I'll take my kids, I'll take my American kids to see where I come from. But I should not expect them somehow to know every interest right. of Right, yeah, you know? yeah. I really expose them to where I come from. This way. But also it starts from home. We eat African food, you know? There's some things that I get to do there, like this is from my dad, you know? And they've embraced it the way they know, like food. They love to eat, kids. So if we can make it African, absolutely. And soon we'll go to Africa so they can really experience that. I and, love and, and that. I, and I think for me, those are the two, the way to blend two cultures, by honoring where they come from, but also by introducing them where I come from, that they get to see why dad does these things this way. Yeah. Or what does he like this type of food? Or uh, these spices, uh, that they're able to truly feel and know that like, this is my dad's culture and I want to embrace it, but not deny them where they come Absolutely. from. Absolutely. So kind of going, I'm trying to, I, this one I'm always like, I'm very, I've been very cautious about this episode about like picking the right words because right. not only, not only is it such a sensitive topic, but there's also so much misinformation and so much people just don't understand about the foster care system. Like I want to make sure that my words are precise and then I'm saying what I mean because like with my ADHD brain sometimes I'll say something and it's not the right words Absolutely. and I'm like but people know what I mean but like with this there's just so much confusion around I like I can't I can't I feel like I can't allow that to happen from my voice right. you know what I mean um especially because as a teacher like I had my own encounters with um foster care and things like that in kids being abused by the system and I know the impact I mean obviously don't know as much as you do but I know that I know a little bit about the impact that this stuff can have on kids and I think it's really important that people understand that so like based on your foster kids because you obviously have really great relationships with them right what are some of the experiences that they have had that are that people just don't understand are very common unfortunate awful occurrences within the foster care system I mean oh gosh 
the list is is this yeah, long. Yeah, I know. know, I know. Yeah. I'm like getting ready to start crying. Absolutely. And for you, Rebecca, as a, as a teacher, so for me as a single parent, I have my co-other parent that right. teaches because my kids spend spend more time with the teacher than anyone else. So I feel like they're my co-parents in some way. Oh, I'm already know? tearing up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm telling you. But oh boy, so we've seen so like for me who have had you know over 35 kids, you you see the worst trauma you could think of. Think about like we live in the United States, but there are kids who don't know if there'll be a next meal. You know, uh-huh. I've got kids who hold a food and hide it. You know, because they are not sure if food will be, will be there tomorrow. You know, and for me to really come alongside and say, how do I teach this kid to know there'll be food there without accusing them that they're stealing and without making it a big deal. You know, those are the things that I've seen. The other, you know, some kids have been sexually abused. You know, I've had, I would give you an example. I've had a kid who came, he, for the first night, he went, he went to the bathroom and he was supposed to take a shower and he picks up what he, his poop basically and just smeared it all in my, my bathroom. And all I could smell was just so bad. So I walk in, I'm like, what's going on, you know? And I realized that, oh, he's protecting himself. In my eyes was like my house, how much I'm, you know, how much is gonna cost me to clean that up? But I had to take a step back and say, hey, why did this kid do so? You know, come to find out he was protecting himself, that being dirty, that I would not touch him in some way. And I mean, I, I sat there and I cried. I said, boy, you okay, you okay, you know? And I said, I promise I will never do this to you. And I'm sorry that it happened to you, you know? So to know that our kids will do things that don't seem normal, but to realize that when you understand why they're doing so, it's really helpful to love on them and help them really overcome that, you know? I've had kids who think, if they give you sexual favors, they'll get a meal. You know, oh. think about like you, you got a seven year old come to you and say, you know, basically they want to earn the food you're about to give them. Kids here in the United States. That's disgusting. You know, that, that kids go through and, and somehow we always think, oh, the, their parents neglected them. No, the it's, trauma mm-hmm. they've endured is so much for a four year old, for a seven year old, to endure that any 30-year-old has never endured uh, as, as a kid is... is Someone um, just kind of going off of what you just said is... And it's so... It's not funny. I was about to say, it's funny. It's not funny. But it's... Every single example you just gave me, I received so many stories validating of exact same situations, exact same experiences. Like, one family sent me a story of how they... Um, went and adopted one of their foster kids or two of their foster kids it was a sister who was around 10 and her little brother who was about six and the very first family meal they she's 10 she's not very sneaky so you know they saw her put her napkin in her lap and about half of her plate she just slowly would pick up from the table and put under put under into her lap in the napkin and just kind of she thought she was hiding it bless her heart and they just asked her, they're like, hey, honey, um, why are you storing your food in your lap like that? And she immediately got very upset and very embarrassed. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, no, it, it's okay. It's all, I'm, I'm going to start crying. No, I'm, I'm crying. Yes. They're like, it's all right. We just, we just want to know why what? you're doing that. Right. And she said, well, I just want to make sure that 
if you don't give us dinner tomorrow, that I can still feed me and my little brother. Oh, yeah. And immediately they, they took her and they're like, okay, we need you to understand something. And they took her and they opened the fridge and showed her the entire fridge full of food. And they took her to the pantry and they showed her the entire pantry full of food. That I need you to understand that this is yours. And if you are ever hungry, you can come get food whenever you want. Like, you don't need to hide food. You can eat it right now. I want you to go to bed with a big full belly. And then if you wake up in a few hours after you go to bed and you want a midnight snack, you can come get it. Like, we just want you to know that, like, you have access to food whenever you need it. And we are never going. going. Yeah. Well, the I fact that they're... 10-year-olds who are so convinced. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Drubek, I've had a, I've had a, a five-year-old that, you know, that he will, so he came, so every time I fed him, he would go sit to the dogs where the dogs were. So I said, but why? Why do you have to sit over there? But he said, that's why I always sit, you know, so I realized that, you oh. know, that he, Basically, wherever he was coming from, the only way he could be fed was if he fed with the dogs. Oh, my and, gosh. And I have, look, look, I have a feeling, too, that I think he was eating dog food, you know? Oh, my gosh. But, I just, I don't understand. And I know there's going to be people who are listening who are like, well, why are these people foster parents? Because of the check. They get, they get money for that. And there are, I've received so many stories from kids who... We're reminded by foster parents constantly, well, you're only under my roof until I, as long as I get a check for you. Right, and it's disgusting. And, and yeah. Oh, I've had a, you know, one teenager where, you know, so our pantry is open, you know, they can go in wherever they want, but he won't go there. He would just sit there. You say, are you sure? You know, are you sure? I said, yeah, you, you can go and get what you want. And he said, no one has ever allowed me to get food that way. You know, it was portioned at a specific time. The fridge was locked, you know, the pantry had a lock. So he didn't know that you can get food. Just walk in as you want. All food on, you know, in a basket. No. And to realize that you're 17, you're 17, but you've never been given an opportunity to have the meal the way you want it. You know, you know, I've had kids where, you know, you ask them, hey, can you do this for me? And they stare at you like, and you're like, why, why? You listen, he's like, well, you're not yelling or calling me name, so I don't know if you're serious, you know? And you sit there and say, man, how could someone destroy... A child. <laughs> innocence. Uh, but they have to be yelled at and called every name just for them to be able to respond, like, why? Someone sent me this absolute vile story, how, you know, they, they were a foster family, um, and they knew of another family who, they were a young couple and their neighbors, the young couple, they thought it would be super trendy to adopt some foster or adopt some kids. I can't remember. No, they adopted some orphans from Liberia and didn't even like take a second to realize like these kids were in the middle of the war in Liberia. Their parents were killed right in front of them. Like they weren't just orphans. They were traumatized orphans right and they this young couple just thought it'd be super trendy to adopt these kids from Africa and very quickly realized they couldn't afford all the help that these kids really needed yeah, yeah. so the foster they asked their neighbors they're like hey we know you guys foster do you mind just like keeping them until we can get on our feet and get situated and the foster family was like oh 
of course, like anyone who needs help is welcome or that's, that's why we do this. Um, it took a week for the 14 year old boy to tell the foster family, I don't want to go back because they touch me. Mm. And when the foster family tried to call out like, Hey, what is going on? Like, these were some accusations and this is really serious. I don't know how this all works, but I guess the young couple um, used their parental rights to force back the 14 year old and send him back to Africa so that he couldn't testify, he like couldn't any, anything like that, so that if the police were called, there were no witnesses, nothing. He's in Africa. So the foster family spent the next year tracking him down to bring him back home and they just went ahead and adopted him. Yes, I mean, you know, you know, my, you know I have a 17 year old, you know, he was left at the hospital. When I got a phone call, they said, hey, uh, there's a kid that needs a home. And I'm like, you know, kid, how old, 11? I'm like, no, I'm not taking yeah, 11 year olds. And then they said, well, but he's at the hospital. So I said, oh, okay, I can help at least for the weekend, you know? So he comes in and, and I come to find that, you know, he was adopted at the age of four, you know? And the family that adopted him, I drove him to the hospital and they never said goodbye. They never gave him the reason why they didn't want him anymore, you know? So, so I looked at him, I said, you know, I'll be your dad. So he's my first adopted kid because he was left at the hospital. I think about like you, you give a child a stable home for nine years. And one day you wake up and say, I don't uh, want you I'm anymore. I'm Sorry. Oh my uh, gosh. And, I mean, think about, think about the trauma. Think about the, the, the things he had to do in his life. One, he wasn't wanted by his, by his parents. And then, they, you know, he thinks he's safe. He's adopted by a family. And the same family says, sorry, we don't want you. Uh, and that's really, for me, has been really hard to understand. You know, why, why would you? So for, for him, after adoption, I asked him, what are two things you like to do? He said, I would like to go visit my elementary school and go see my former parents. So I'm kind of like, uh. <laughs> why would we go? Remember, because he could not understand. He didn't get it. You know, why would they? It's not like he did something wrong and they said, you get a go. No, they went, took him for checkup and they never came back. Literally, they went to the county and signed off their parents' rights. Is it that easy to do? Yes. See, is it easy for anyone to do? Like, that easy for anyone, foster parent, adoptive parent, regular biological parent, it's that easy? That easy. Oh, that makes, that makes the story I was gonna tell even worse. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. 
And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Um, I, when I was a teacher, oh, wow, this one always makes me so upset. So, um, when I was a teacher, um, one of the stories that will never leave me, and I still sometimes check up on this kid, um, I had a kid who, there was clearly a lot going on at home. Mom kept trying to call parent conferences, talking about him trying to harm himself. He would pull me over to the side and say, none of this is true. She's just looking for attention. Now, there's multiple sides to every story. But at some point, sides don't matter. Some things are just wrong. So one day this kid, um, I'll call him Connor because that's my character name in my skits. That's always my go-to name. Connor came up to me and said, I'm, I'm getting really scared at home. I, I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, what's going on? And he claimed that his mother placed her prescription pills in his backpack that day um, because he was getting ready for school, moved his backpack, heard a sound. He's like, what? what is that? He heard pills sloshing around in the bottle. He's like, what is that? Found his mom's prescription pills in his bag. I guess later in the day, his mom called the school saying, my kid stole my prescription pills with plans on selling, so bring the police and check his stuff. And he just so happened to find them earlier and took them out, so there was nothing to find. Um, and it was, it was a, very, a very tricky situation of, I, and I, I went to the counselors every day about this, like, what do I do? What can I do? And they're, there's like, there's nothing we can do right now because it's just a giant he said, she said kind of mess. Well, then I started getting emails from the mom. Um, Thanksgiving break was coming up, and she was saying some vile things about how she just doesn't know if she can put up with him anymore, and ha-ha, LOL. Like, she would put ha-has and LOLs in her emails about he doesn't know it, but over Thanksgiving break, I'm going to send him to his dad's house. Um who he's never met before. Mm -hmm. And if his dad won't take him, I'm just going to put him in foster care. But this is really the last week that he'll be at this house. And he doesn't know it. And just so you know, this is confidential. And if you tell him or try to warn him, I will sue you and I will come for your job and I will get you fired. And so I'm just sitting there this whole last week before Thanksgiving break, so worried for this child, legally unable to do or say anything. anything and I didn't I didn't know what to do and so and I, I asked the admin and they're like you can't do anything and I'm like well that sucks and um the day before Thanksgiving break I just went up to him and I said hey I know you've been working on getting some of your grades up um and I just want to make sure that you have my email address in case you have questions or need any help over break while you're doing some of your makeup work and he's like yeah it's on the website and I'm like no Connor I need you to write down my email address so that if you have questions 
you can Dad, let me know. Because yeah. this dad's house was like across the country. Wow. Like I, I never saw him again after this day. Um, but I did get an email from him two weeks later saying, hey, Ms. Rogers, I now understand that you, what you were saying. Trying to say, yes. And I'm so glad that you were worried about me. And I just want you to know that I'm safe and I'm gonna stay with my dad for a while. Um, and I never saw him again. Yes. And sometimes I will sleuth on the internet <laughs> and check on. Oh, I found his Instagram. I'll check every now and then. <laughs> I know it's. But it's... it was just so gross to me that this parent was laughing and like using the foster care system as a threat of. I've known we'll take yeah. him. I'll just like I'm done with him. Like yes. someone in foster care. Rebecca, this week, this week I was watching something on the news. The mom was letting the mom was sending her daughter, who's 11. To men, so she can get drugs. Oh my gosh! Eleven year old, you know. To, um, it, it's not last month; it's this week. And you see, then say, you know, this little girl, how will she overcome the the person who should protect you? And I think for me, that's why maybe fostering has been really wonderful for me because my father was my abuser. You know, I never had one kind word, like no one kind word I ever hear from my dad. Uh, you know, I was known as you know, never amount to anything, you know, oh. you're nobody. I wish you were never born so I did not have to feed you. That's what I had when I woke up and that's what I had when I went to bed. So think from the age of four, five, seven, why would you want to be anything when the person who should protect you is the one that truly makes you feel worthless in a way, you know? So for me, running away wasn't like I was looking for a better place. I really wanted to die, but die in the hands of someone else, not my father. And that's really what happens to our kids. Sometimes they've, they've endured so much that they, there's not, nothing left, you know? And by the time they come to us, it's a little too late, you know? Or sometimes that, uh, that will haunt them for the rest of their lives. Uh, and that's the difficulty of, of our kids in false care, you know? That we get them when it's too late. Uh, but for me, I believe if I, if I overcame my troubles, you know, that I believe I can change one child at a time, that I can use the little of what helped me to overcome my trauma to truly help the kids that I, uh, I had in my home and that I have uh, adopted as well. But it's a ruthless, yeah. you know, bad place. And, but also there's a, there's a positive side too, that I, we're not saying every, every parent is bad. We're not saying, right. you know, it, it's, well, it's, 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 there's a theme in my series that, like, you know, whether we're looking at teachers or, and I always use teachers and nurses as my go-to, because, like, <laughs> I was a teacher and my mom was a nurse. <laughs> but, like, for the most part, like, the general consensus is people go into this because they want to do good. good. But when it comes to foster care, the police officer episode that we had, there's so much harm in these systems that... It's it's not just a few bad apples. It's no. not it, it's becoming such a harmful stereotype that you I can't even I, I can't even put it into words. What? You know? It's just so, <laughs> so daunting so... and overwhelming and it feels so helpless because I... again, these are in theory and on paper, these are sections of the world that are supposed to be there strictly to help. And so many Evil people have just turned policing, mm -hmm. foster care, like these kinds of things into 
nightmares for so many people. And so my question for you, at least when it comes to the foster care system, in your opinion, how do we fix it? <laughs> how do we fix it? That's a hard one. Make you know? people not suck. <laughs> exactly. But I think how we can, for me, this is how I feel. There's some things we'll never, we'll never stop a child, you know, sexual abuser and, and they, until they stop themselves, you know. We always get to know when it's too late. But there are some we can protect, you know. There's sometimes where you and I have friends and families that when we do something, they'll be there for us. But there are some families, moms who are single, struggling there by themselves and there's no help. And sometimes when you don't have that safety net, when things go wrong, they'll go right to the bottom, you know. That maybe we can reach out, give an opportunity to those who are struggling to not judge them, but give them an opportunity to have a place to come and say, hey, I'm struggling, can you help me? Before they lose their kids, you know. Yeah, we absolutely. always say, I want to stand up when it's too late. But to really, you know, as especially moms, I don't know why I feel like they, they, they get the worst and they judge the worst, but men sometimes are not judged that way. So the best way we can is to truly intervene when mommy is struggling by by not judging them or by, by yeah. calling them the most horrible. And then hopefully then they're avoiding, hide. And yeah. avoiding the foster care. They can avoid care foster care, yeah. yeah. So if we can intervene before the foster care comes in, I think that would be the best way that we can, you know, truly provide our ways, small ways. You know, a mom's struggling, you know, can Absolutely. we provide daycare? You know, a mom's struggling, can we do babysitting for her so she can take care of what she needs to? What are things can we help that one mom? They need to go rehab, you know, how can we really come alongside them while they're in rehab so they can come back and have their kids and stay in the lives of their, you know, of their children. I know every mom of every child I've had and I'm still in touch with them because I realize that they are my ally and the best way I can is to truly be that resource for them. You know, uh, like this weekend, I'm going to have two of my former kids. Why are they coming? Mom needs a break to make sure that I That's can wonderful. give her that opportunity to say, I know it's hard. I will bring your kid rather than worry that someone is going to report her uh, in, you know, in force care. So that's, I think, what can really help when we come alongside those who are struggling. And give them resource. I have kids who have come to me because mom was living in a car. Was she a bad mom? Absolutely no. Did she lack a place to stay? Yes. So the kids were taken away because they were in danger. That's right. But what she needed wasn't the kids to be taken away. What she needed was to provide a place exactly. to sleep for and she stays with her kids, you know. Let me ask you, when you have an issue, when your kids go, what do you do? Do you stop drugs and stop smoking or stop alcohol? What do you do? When you're really stressed, you do, do more, more, you know. It's so when, when kids are taken away, what is left for the mom to do, you know? drink herself to death because she lost the one thing she loved. So sometimes taking the kids away really goes... Makes it worse. Yes. Rather than how can we help you while you still have a kid so you don't lose your kids. Uh, I think that, that can stop. That's so beautiful because it really just embodies the idea and the goal of reunification. And I feel like that's another issue within the foster care system of, you know, you, we talked about people who don't care about the kids and don't want the kids, and that's its own issue on one yes, side Yes, one side is the But then other. you have the other side of the spectrum where it's like, okay, I'm your mom now. Well, no, the goal of foster care is Reunification. reunification. Yeah. And are there situations where it is in the better interest of the child to yes. go through an adoption process? Yes. yes. 
But there's no reason, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about this after, but there's no reason to go into foster care with the idea of, I'm going to take to these kids exactly. from their parents. Yes, I know I'm going to get a bad hit as well, but foster care isn't an adoption agency. No, no it's, it's, not. it's It is a place where kids are put, so they are taken care of while mom and dad are trying to figure that out. And I think that's the... That we fall in love with these kids. We love them, you know. They love us. They to tell us, I want, oh, can you be my mom? I get that. But at some point, I have to know there's a mom who has done everything they can that they ought to go back. And that's sometimes where uh, the wrong comes in. Well, I'm doing a favor. I'm the one doing one, two, three, four. Why can't I keep the child, you know? And I think for me saying, no, from the get-go, you sign to help and be there for the safety of the child so they can go back home. So why did that change? Well, yes, we always fall in love, but that doesn't mean we have to take the child away. And I think that's where sometimes we foster parents get it wrong, you know, that we get born with our kids and we don't want to let them go. And we become the villain between us and the bio parents. And I want to say, and I'm, I'm truly, you know, not, not unless the kids are absolutely specifically for adoption, I think kids we force that have mom and dad are trying to do whatever they can do. We should truly have an open hand to say, yes, if you're ready, you can have your kids, you know, yeah. uh, back. Uh, that's the best gift we can give to the kids yeah. that need mom and dad. Absolutely. And I think there's, there's some people on social media who, like, I think that, you know, they mean well. And I don't watch a lot of these people, but I've had some of my friends, some on social media, some not, who are working in the foster care system or are foster parents or are going through adoption processes who, like, talk about some people that they see on social media who are, like, glorifying this idea of, okay, I'm fostering and now I'm mom now. And now I'm making, now I'm in these mom groups. And now I'm, and it's like, you're not mom. And if you want if your goal is to adopt a child, that's amazing. There are so many kids out there who need homes, who are looking to be adopted, who would love that. But that's not the foster care system. No. The foster care system is, first and foremost, supposed to keep kids safe while their parents hopefully can get themselves together and in a place where they can provide a safe and loving environment for their child. Absolutely. Like, I, I disagree with the term force to adapt. Like, I don't think yeah. that, I think that is a wrong way. You know, you're there to force it, but the adoption is not part of the deal. Right. You know? it's, a, it's, it, a it's a once in a lifetime, oh yes, this is an opportunity and I so, may or may not embark on it. Yeah, I've posted 38 kids. And you've adopted three. Three, but my the one I adopted first was my number 11, you know, mm -hmm. and the, the two that, that I- The one that was abandoned, exactly. yes. And the two that I've just adopted, they were my number 24th and 25th. So wow. you can see how long it took because the whole goal is so they can go back home, you know? Absolutely. And, and yes, there, there are some families who want to adapt. So from the get-go, make it clear, I want to adapt, so let's start from there, you know? Because there are kids in the force care who are absolutely available for adoption. Exactly. So let's start from, exactly. I'm going to adapt. Mm -hmm. But when you say, I'm going to adapt, I'm going to force that in the hopes to adapt, I think that that's, is going to get you in trouble. Yes. You know? Yes. The and it's boundaries. just so fair to everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So what kind of made you decide, okay, I'm going to adopt these kids from my foster care? I mean, obviously, number 11, we know, we know was, yes. was, was abandoned. A... You're his dad now. Yes. 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 So my two came for, they said, hey, we need them 
can you have him for the summertime? So for me, I said, summer, three months? Sure, I can do that. Well, <laughs> summer camp, you know, uh, mom and dad went ready. So then I put them in school. You know, uh, eight months later, you know, there were no phone calls, there were no visitation. Wow. And then in two years, no phone call, no visitation. In that, I, I knew that they would go to kinship. Kinship meaning, if mom and dad can't have them, then we're gonna look at uncles and aunties. Well, we tried that, that didn't come, until they said, hey, they've run out of all options, and if you're open to adopt them, you can. You can, I was like, sure, absolutely. I would like to, but my first goal was they go back home or they go to kinship, whoever uncle or aunt needed them that I will support so they can go. But those that also uh, didn't come to fruition, so I knew I was uh, set to, to adopt them. Um, and it's been wonderful for sure, you know, uh, that I had them for three years and finally they get to stay for me, with me for the rest of my life. And that's home I go. I want to force and help the kids go back home. But if they cannot, I want to be the final parent for them. I, I don't want them to move from one end to the other, no matter how old they are. I want to be their final home so they stay uh, as long as they want. That is so sweet. Oh my gosh, that's just so beautiful. Are there any other misconceptions about the foster care system that people just either don't know about or are just blatantly incorrect about or anything like that? Yes, men can foster. You can be, <laughs> you can be single and foster. And I think for me, for men, whoever is listening, I think we haven't been held account accountable. We've been told that's mom's job. But I think to 2023, it's everyone's job. It's mm -hmm. mom and dad, and we can all really take care of our kids. You know, the other is most people don't want to foster because they're afraid of being attached to the children. They're like, I, I can't let them go. But actually, you are the right parent. Yeah. Because our kids have really attachment kind of issues. So they need that kind of love. That person who will, you know, fight for them, but also show them the affection that you love them. You know, so the one thing you think would deter you, actually, it's the one thing uh, that we need. I promise, I'm not a robot. I get attached <laughs> to my kids, you know, but at the same time, you, you, you get to learn to love, love on them and, and let them go. The other part, most people accuse me, they say, I have, my, all my kids are white. They're like, you know, do you just take white kids? Like, no. You, you, they say that to you? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. They think I go to the room like, you know, you are, you know, just know, I, no child comes to false care for good reason. Right. None. Oh, you know? yeah. And for me, I take emergency kids, meaning they're the hospital, they're the police, or, you know, they just lost mom and dad and they need a safe place for them to be. I usually, if I have room, I'll take them. So I want people to know that there's no formula on how you there's get a no child. There's no primary reason. Right? You just get a child on Absolutely. Your you know, for me, I know the boundaries I cannot do. I have teenager boys, so I'll not take a teenager girl. That I know, you know. Absolutely. Or I'm a single dad, so I can't have someone who's medically need more help because that means I would have to, you know. Right. You, you're to... only one person. Absolutely. Yeah. So there are some where I say, this I can do, this I cannot do, you know. So those boundaries are there. But how they come to us really. It's just random. It's just random, you know. Uh, but we cannot. We can all be forced. The other part is some people think we we don't have a good relationship with our bio parents. We do. You know, most of us. You should. Yes. Yes. No matter how we really try to make sure, for the sake of the child, that we pursue the friendship with the parents, so we can help them navigate on how to have them back, but also when they go back home on really, you know, passing on the knowledge that we help their kids as well. But it's the best way to also support the family when you stay in touch uh, with the parents. So yes, anyone can be, anyone can that. be. 
life long. It's like my heart is like so. It's it's a good like heartfelt ending when there was so much like yucky in the middle. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I have mascara all over my face when I was crying. You made me cry. You made me cry. Oh, I was like trying so hard not to sob, especially at the one. But the one story always gets me every time. But thank you so much for sitting and talking with me about this. Like this is so informative and I think this is also so important and something that like is happening right in front of society's eyes every day and they just don't have the information to know or understand and the only way to really the only way for it to change is for people to just know and want it to change absolutely change. like when people's eyes are on the system the system will will help will do a little bit absolutely better. you know you know most what are the the most kids that don't get adopted or don't get uh, good placement are siblings and teenagers because yeah. you know when you have four kids you know you can't take them all and they get to separate them and that causes a lot of trouble so people to know that hey you know there are siblings in the system who we want them to stay together but it's impossible to you know then there's me who has two and then when another one comes they're like hey there's a baby and you're like oh. <laughs> you know the other thing I would like to tell our viewers okay I'm ready no one would ever tell you. There's no, how do I say it? There's no formula of how I can say, you're gonna have a kid for three months, no. Or you're gonna have a four year old, no. You know, usually it's, I wanna have between four and seven, but you get a toddler, but you, that's not who you ask for. So coming in knowing like, hey, I'm gonna open my boundaries to yes. not stick to one. Like my, this is what I want. Like there's not a formula for like what kid is gonna need a safe place. Oh like, yes, how kids old? just need a safe place. Yeah. How old? When? What time? No, you you. You never know. It, it's, no it'll just it, it'll just be random. And how long are they gonna stay? No. Formula. No idea. <laughs> It could be two years and you don't hear from anybody. Oh, yes. Oh, it could be they came for the weekend. I mean, that's how my first, my adopted son came. He was, I just said, for two weekends. A week, yeah. No, I said one weekend. Well, he's my forever child, you know? So that's there's so no sweet. formula of they can tell you. Literally, it's like being on a roller coaster, running, going up and down, and you have no end to it. That is false care. Wow. The good news is that you are at least a shining beacon of light in the dark, dreary world of foster care. And I can only hope that there, I mean, I know there are other parents out there like you, but I just really need there to be more. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I try, need there to be more I, of them. I try to keep it positive because there's so much negative, you know, that I wanted to generate with people and show like, here's how I do it. I want you to hear my kids talk. I want to see what we do every day so you can say, oh, there are no more kids. Yes, there are no that. more kids, you know. But two, I wanted to show men, you know, men out there like, hey. You can do this too. You can do this. And I found out that I've had 38 kids. None of them have said, I wish we had a mom. You know why? Because they, they just they want a parent. Dad. They want they a just, parent. They just want a parent. Exactly. But they never had a dad too. So to say men, that's how kids are looking Some for. Some people, especially younger boys, sometimes yes. they need that role model. Mm -hmm. That's so important. And they're not looking for Jordan shoes. No, they're only looking when it's tough at school to say, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be, just like you as a teacher, that that's how you, you, you stood up for the kids. It's going to be okay. Not knowing what would happen, but to say, it's gonna be okay. Maybe I just I just give myself an idea. Maybe what we'll do, because I feel like there's still so much that people can learn about the foster care system. Maybe we can have people like in the comments put questions about both the foster care system and the adoption process. 
and then maybe we can do another one like in a few months and yes. just answer all the questions because like, we don't know what people don't know. Absolutely. We only know what we don't know. Absolutely. Kind of. That and doesn't make sense. And <laughs> you and I know so much that we can give it. You give exactly. us questions and then we answer yeah, our questions. I like I that. Like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so that. let us know in the comments. And in the meantime, thank you so much, Peter, for hanging out with us and giving us all of this information, this super, super valuable and important information. And thank you guys. I don't know where the camera is. <laughs> Which one is it? Thank you My guys bet. so much for hanging out with us and hope to see y'all next week. Bye-bye, lovelies. Bye. -bye,